Hi, I'm Sam Chan, and you're listening to the Sam Chan Leadership Podcast. It's my desire to help others succeed. I'm here to help you and your organization grow, grow to the next level. Thank you for joining me on this leadership journey. Let's get started. Every place has a culture. Every restaurant has a culture. Your home has a culture. Your church has a culture. Your business has a culture. Any organization you walk to into has a culture. Even an elevator has a culture. So imagine for a minute, imagine for a minute you're the first one getting onto the elevator and it's going to go up to the, let's just say it's going to go up to the 14th floor. You get on it, you're the first one on there. And you hit the, you're going to go all the way to the 14th floor. So you hit 14. Where do you stand? Well, to begin with, you might stand right next to the panel where you push the button, but eventually you're gonna go into a corner. Somebody else gets on the elevator on say level three. If they came and stood right next to you, it's just the two of you in the elevator. If they stood right next to you in the elevator, you're gonna say, this is strange. This is different, this is weird. In fact, you will feel kinda eh about the whole thing. And then it goes on to the seventh floor and somebody else comes in there, where are they going to stand? Or possibly they're going to stand in another corner. So this is what's going to happen. As the elevator goes up, people keep coming in and you have people standing in different corners. Somebody else gets on, the fifth person gets on, they are kind of, look at the scenario, all the corners are taken, so they'll probably stand in the middle up against the back wall. Even an elevator has a culture. Now nobody went to elevator 101 to figure out what the culture of an elevator, but you know what you don't do. Go stand next to somebody when the whole elevator is open. You know where you try to work yourself into it. So every place has a culture. Now, culture is one of those things that is uh, amorphous, it is nebulous, it's hard to explain and I'm going to try my best to nail this jello to the wall to help you understand what is culture and my next segment, how it's formed and my third segment, I'm going to talk about the seven keys to having an inspiring culture. So strategy, product, delivery systems, they are all easily understood, they can be managed, But this culture thing is about people. It is about the most uh, important asset that you have. Culture is never about a thing. Culture is never about your product. Culture is never about your organizational structure. I go into into organizational as a leadership consultant and uh, one of the things that show me early on is their organizational structure. You know how the boxes come down and when this box goes and how it connects to the other box and all that is great and wonderful but does not really explain the culture to me till I start talking to the people. And I start talking to them, ask them questions like, so what takes longer than it should? If I ask them, so what's the culture here? They really don't know what I'm asking, but I get interesting answers. If I ask them, so what frustrates you the most over here? Those are culture-related questions. Culture is more important than vision. 
Culture is more important than mission. Culture is more important than purpose statements. Culture is more important than anything that you're going to do in your church or your corporation. So let me define culture for you and talk to you about its importance. Here's the definition of culture. It's very deep. So are you ready for it? Here we go. Culture. This is how we do things here. This is how we do things here. Because remember, I said every place has a culture. So you could be a server at restaurant A and you transpose to be a server at restaurant B. That's a different culture. You used to be a pastor of a church here and now you're a pastor of the church here. You have changed culture. You used to be CEO of a company A and now you're CEO of company B. It's a different culture. You may be competent. You may have the capacity. You may have the character. But the bigger question is, do I fit here? Is this where my gifts, my passions, and my talents work? Because if you don't fit culturally, it's going to be an amazingly excruciating journey. Now, whenever we talk about culture, people immediately start thinking about black, white, brown, Latino, purple, blue, whatever. I'm from India originally, came to America in 1973. Uh, so we can talk about those kind of cultures. But those kind of cultures are different from what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your organization's culture, your church's culture, the business that you are involved in. I'm talking about that culture. Let me give you a few examples as to how important culture is and, and what a toxic culture will do. So before I go further, let me, let me come back to that and say this to you. A toxic culture will eat vision for lunch. A toxic culture will eat vision for lunch. Give, 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 you, give you an example. Let's just imagine that this, this book, you already have this book. Remember this book? Uh, change your culture, change everything. So imagine you come to my restaurant and I am your server. I'm your server. And you order, let's just say you order a good piece of uh, beef or uh, salmon or fish, whatever. You ordered something. This is the plate. This is what you ordered. Plate, this is what you ordered. I bring it to you. I bring you whatever you ordered on this plate. And you look at the plate and you realize, and I realize, somebody forgot to wash the plate. Are you going to eat what you ordered? My guess is not. And the reason for that is because the plate is dirty. Now, I said to you, hey, what's wrong with what's wrong with what you order? You can eat that, but you're not going to do that because the culture, the culture that was holding what you ordered in here is not clean. A toxic culture will eat vision for lunch because what the product sits on, what your service sits on, what you deliver sits on is the culture that is holding out together. Let me give you a couple more examples. Imagine for a moment that uh, you needed a, a kidney transplant, a kidney transplant. And my kidney was a perfect fit for you. 
everything was just right. So they take my perfect kidney and they put it into your body. But if your body is diseased, if your body is infected, if your body is unhealthy, what's going to happen to that good kidney that you got from me? It is going to reject the good kidney that you received from me. Because if the body is toxic, if the body is infected, doesn't matter what you put into it, it's going to reject it. And that is what happens again and again. You have great ideas. You have great vision. You bring good people around you. But the culture is unhealthy. So whatever you try doesn't work. Now, the, and you scratch your head saying, you know, there's no reason why that shouldn't work. I mean, that is, that is like a no-brainer. This was just going to be so easy. Even as I'm talking to you, I'm thinking about when I used to be president of a university in Atlanta, of the great ideas that I had, and I went to conferences and seminars and workshops and came back loaded, and it was just, just good stuff and not difficult either, easy stuff. And it was not like I had to go and get resources for it. All the resources were there. But it didn't work. And so you know what I did? Because I did not understand. Change your culture. Change everything. Because I did not understand that. We just tried to work it harder. We just tried to tweak it a little bit different. We just tried to do different things with the whole thing. And the idea is it wasn't any of those things. It was simply the culture. I had not paid attention to first, remember this, cleaning the plate. So you can have the best product, you can have the best service, but if the plate is not clean. So most organizations do not pay attention to the culture of the place. I remember uh, hiring people, good people. people qualified people, references or checked out people, just amazing people. And I brought them into my organization. I hired them. They were so successful there, but at my organization, they were not that successful. So all of a sudden, I am looking at them suspect, wonder if they embellish their resume, wonder if people who gave them uh, the references really told me the truth. Actually, what was going on? I did not understand what I'm teaching you right now. I did not understand the importance of change your culture, change everything. I did not understand how somebody could be successful at company A and fail at company B doing the same job. Many of you are nodding your heads right now saying, yes, that's exactly true. Because most people either stay at a place of employment, stay at a place of service, volunteer at the same place because of the culture, and they exit that place because of the culture as well. So what is culture? Culture is, this is how we do things here. So culture can be tangible and intangible. Let me give you both. Tangible. Uh, how people dress. So if I go into an organization that is all suit and tie, that tells me about their culture. I go into a place where it is uh, uh, easy shirts and skinny jeans. I know that culture, how people dress, their formality and the whole uh, spectrum of that. 
how people behave. Uh, you can go into an organization and you can get good responses. You can go into some organizations and it'll be totally ignored. Have you ever walked up to a customer service counter that says customer service, but the person behind the counter is a no customer service person? It is the behavior of the organization. These are all tangible things. Let me give you a few more of those tangibles. How people act together as a team. It's always interesting when I sit down, when I'm consulting with the executives of an organization, and I sit down with their team, and, and you start seeing their interactions among each other, and how they say things, and how they couch things. If they say things like, well, <clears throat> I know what some of you are already thinking about what I'm about to say. You know what they're doing? They're doing a disclaimer. They're already... Uh, acting as if they're going to get pushback on it. Uh, there's a little passive-aggressive sarcasm going along with that. Uh, or, you'll, or, or you'll see uh, uh, some awkward laughter, or you will see some behaviors in a group that's all telling you what the culture of the place is, how quickly ideas are killed, how quickly ideas are embraced, how people are given an opportunity to explain their idea, how people are given second chances, how people uh, who messed up earlier are given another opportunity to prove themselves. Those are all what I call group dynamics. Let me just give you a couple more. How about how offices are arranged? So uh, you go into uh, a Facebook office and the CEO's office is out there with everybody else. That's one culture. You can go to another culture and to get to the CEO's office, you'll have to go through five doors and 10 hallways and then three assistants before you can get to them. The ease in which people uh, communicate with you, how internal communication takes place. These are all tangible things, how people respond to each other, how they close the loop, how they say thank you to each other, how they say welcome to each other, how they say please to each other, how, how they interact. All of those are what are called tangible things of uh, changing the culture or understanding culture. But there's some intangibles. Let's talk about those. Because in my next session, I'm going to talk to you about how culture is formed. And this will segue us into that before I talk to you about the seven keys to an inspiring culture. Culture is formed sometimes by how heroes are made, or some people say sheroes, heroes and sheroes, how they are made. So culture is the most important part, but then culture starts percolating by, did you know that Susie did such a great work? So whenever you platform Susie, whenever you acknowledge Susie, whenever you celebrate Susie, whatever she did, then becomes part of the culture. Now, you have to be careful that you're celebrating the right things. Susie may have done the right thing, but if Susie's attitude stinks, then when you celebrate what she did, people don't build firewalls between what people did and who Susie is. If Susie, if your name is Susie, I'm sorry, I'm just using an example. <laughs> if, if Susie has a stinking attitude, which is part of what she does, but what she did was successful, 
And you think I'm going to celebrate this and people will understand the difference between what she did and who she is. You're totally misunderstanding culture. Because what she did gets personified by her personality. And that is why you have to be careful as to how you celebrate. And so when you celebrate something, you are creating, percolating something that people start for valuing and say, oh, this is what they value over here. Let, when I'm talking about value, let me give you another thing to think about. How people feel valued creates the culture of the place as well. How people feel valued. So how do people feel valued? By inclusion. Have you ever worked in an organization in which a decision was made about your department, about your area, and uh, you said, nobody checked with me, nobody talked to me. Have you ever been uh, invited into a process after it's already started and it's about you and what you do and you're saying, I wish they had called me in earlier because I had information for them that would have changed what we are doing because they didn't have that information, I had that information. Can I give you another sentence about value, valuing people? The most valuing statement, the most respecting and honoring statement one human being says to another is, what do you think? I'm talking about in a very valid way. What do you think? Because the message you're sending is, what you think is important to me. On the flip side of the coin is, People feel devalued. So, so every one of us has worked in organizations, have been part of organizations in which we felt valued and we felt devalued. Which one was better for you? Where you felt valued. Because a value proposition for a human being is more important at times than monetary compensation. People should feel, I belong here. People have to feel, I'm important. People have to feel what I bring to the table is really of critical importance to them. People ought to feel this is why I work here. Because when they leave at the end of the day, it's not always about the money. It is how they feel. I've, I've left many places feeling devalued. Devalued because I was the invisible one in the room. Have you ever felt like that? The invisible one in the room devalued because what I had to say was marginalized and very quickly shut down, devalued. So culture is how you celebrate, how you value. How about another one? What you reward and what you punish. What you reward and what you punish. All of life is about rewards and punishment. What gets rewarded gets repeated. What gets punished gets deterred and discouraged. What is rewarded, what is punished. But there's a middle ground in the middle that's called ignoring the punishment and ignoring the reward. Because everyone in the organization, remember this culture thing? Everyone in the organization knows 
who is doing a great work because culture is about people. Remember I said that earlier, culture is about the people. It's never about the product. It's not about your process. It's never about your deliverables. Culture is about the people. So everyone in your organization knows who is doing great and who's a slacker, who's making it happen and who barely pulls their load, who helps other people in their teams and who is always trying to get out of everything, who volunteers for things that are not even part of the department and who are never volunteering for anything, who shows up early, stays late and who comes in late and leaves early. Everyone watching that is not just HR, everyone's watching that. So if you reward the people who are slackers or if you do not reward the people who are producing, it sends a message. <laughs> there are whole organizations that I've worked with in which there was such passive aggressive culture in the place in which people who are doing a great work felt totally marginalized. <laughs> and guess who got promoted? People that everybody knew was not doing it. What you reward, what, you get, uh, what gets punished, and what you ignore. What are you ignoring in your organization? Because culture, the culture has to be about rewards and punishment because they are the ones that define and let everybody know that there are rewards and punishments in our organization. How, uh, another one, how, how does somebody get a hearing in your organization? How do they get the ears and the attention of the leaders of the organization. How do they do that? How do they, how do they get an email to the CEO or the C whoever or the director uh, or the supervisor? How do they get a message if they're seeing something, observing something? Because I know the more layers there are, the more bureaucracy there is. I'll talk about it in my next session. The more bureaucracy there is, that message will not reach to the top. Let me guarantee you that because somebody is going to protect their territory. Somebody's going to protect their turf and they're going to stop it. They're going to re-message it. They're going to kill it. They're going to come back to you with some kind of placebo to make you feel better, make you feel good. And that's not going to be what you are looking for in there. So let me give you a couple more. How about the level of uh, power? We talk a lot about we are an empowering organization, but where is real power? If you want a healthy organization, if, if you can push down decision-making as low into the organization as possible, the better off you'll be. Because the higher it goes in its decision-making, it gets escalated. And the solutions get escalated. Higher resources are then consolidated towards it. So you, if you want to empower people, when I talk about empowering, I'm talking about empowering people at the front lines to be able to make decisions. If they make a wrong decision, you can correct it. If they make a decision you'd not rather have done, you can correct that. But if you are three layers up and you're going to make all the decisions, that's not empowering because you want to let it go as low in decision making as possible. Uh, there's two more. How about the how decisions are made. Decisions are either denied, they are delayed, they are deferred, or they are approved. The decision making of your organization can tell me everything I need to know about the culture. Who makes the decisions? 
what information you feel is important to make the decision. Who all are involved in the decision making? How do I even request the decision? How long does it take for me to get an answer back from you? Why does it need three meetings to approve one paper clip? Why do I have to have five signatures before a check is authorized? All of those things tell me about the people, decision making, because this is what I know, your decisions can be denied simply by deferring them. Has, has anybody not said no to you and just told you, I'll get back with you? I'll get back with you. We're working on that. I'll get back with you. And by the time they get back to you, it's too late. That's called, called denial by delay. Let me give you the last one. Turf, territories. Have you ever on accident wandered into somebody else's territory and got shot? Because there are gangs everywhere. There are gangs everywhere. In a church, let's talk about church for a minute. Your praise and worship is a gang. Your greeters, ushers are a gang. <laughs> your parking lot attendants are a gang. Your teachers are a gang. Your pastoral staff is a gang. Your administrative staff is a gang. Yeah, they're all gang. And, and they all have their own territories. And heaven forbid you even wander close to it. There are gangs everywhere. Because all of you have been shot at before. I've been shot at before. So in this segment, I've talked to you about the importance of culture. I've talked to you about what is culture. I've talked to you about how culture percolates. I've talked to you about the tangible. I've talked to you about the intangible. In my next segment, I'm going to talk to you about how culture is formed. Leaders, are you ready to take the next step in your leadership development journey? The Sam Chan Leadership Institute is designed for you. This 12-month program, led by leadership expert Dr. Sam Chan, will equip you to more fully step into your calling. Each month, you'll explore a different topic, receive three on-demand training sessions, take advantage of a Q&A session, and have the opportunity to speak with Dr. Chan live. Whether you lead a business, a ministry, or any other organization, this program is filled with world-class content to encourage and push you to become your best. Podcast listeners can get their first module of SCLI absolutely free. For more information, visit samchanleadership.com.